You're listening to What the Folklore, making sense of senseless tales. You can support us on Patreon and join our Discord server at patreon.com slash wtfolklore. Hello, everyone, and welcome to What the Folklore, Making Sense of Senseless Tales. I'm your storyteller, Carmen. Crime Weaver Tyler. I'm Gordy. It's always a pregnant pause <laughs> right after that while you wait to see if I have uh, additional qualifiers or not. If a bit has congealed or not. Sometimes sometimes it does and sometimes it doesn't. Gordy always sh- keeps us on his, our toes. That's just life. Yeah, sometimes it's just sometimes it's just a straightforward name. So what you're saying is no zingers this week. It, it's, uh, it's safe to move on now. No, no, no zingers up at the top. <laughs> Did you get any emails, Gordy? Oh um, yeah, I wanted to check. I forgot. Did we? Let's let's pull it up and see if we've got any any mail. What did I say? Mailbag. I think so. We should mail, take notes on these mail, things. And... Mail something. I don't think so. Uh, yeah, it doesn't look like it. Oh, well. Uh, we do have one that says, A short hither toad story for Gordy's mailbag, maybe. Oh. From yes, Jessica C. You know, we're just going to search for mailbag. It's probably... Yeah, we just <laughs> got the one. You want to dive into um, that? Are we doing this up, up at the top? Yeah, sure. Why not? We don't have rules. Like, by definition. <laughs> so, it's, it's, it's mostly a story suggestion. Hmm. That doesn't so belong know. in the mailbag to Gordy. Yeah, so I don't know how much of this I should read. Like, there's there's some context around the story, but I think that would be better for the episode in which we actually read the story. So let's star it for Carmen to read later. Okay. I Make it start. Carmen's problem. Great. Let's start it. <laughs> Whew. That was close. Gordy almost had to do something. <laughs> that was a close one. All right, another call for Gordy's mailbag corner, but make it at I Gordy can't. for Gordy. I can't. You, you really got to tailor these to Gordy's interests. Keep in mind that I can't read. <laughs> he is whimsical and fae-like in that way. In that, I can, in that I'm illiterate? No, in that they need to be tailored to your interests or you will abandon them. Well, I I would say they should not be uh, story suggestions, which has has a workflow already. Ideally, they should be irrelevant to the podcast, and because that's and, the that's the space we like to play in. Yeah, the less really, the less relevant, the better. An honest attempt to derail everything. That's what <laughs> that's what will keep Gordy engaged in this this particular endeavor. Yeah, and this podcast is largely just a battleground between you two and the very premise of the show. <laughs> <laughs> always has been, always will be. 
So, um, since since you have not been provided with ample weaponry to defeat me this day, I'm going to tell you a story, and you're just gonna you're gonna have to listen to it. That's what's gonna happen. Uh, so I'm gonna tell you today the story of the shoes of Abu Kasim. Where's this from? Uh, it seems to be from like kind of a, a general Middle East situation. There wasn't a clear location given on either source, uh, though one of them was translated from Turkish, so Turkey, that, but it's that also... That hones in. Yeah. Um, but it's also got a lot of variants of it that appear throughout. Um, some editions of the Arabian Nights has a, a version of this story in it, so mm. it kind of runs around, gets around places. It's also yeah, been called... That is what folktales do. Yeah. It's also been called The Tale of the Kadi and His Slipper, which I think takes this story and like switches who our protagonist is a little bit um but the the general gist of it's the same so yeah we're gonna learn us about some shoes today okay and uh, i don't remember if i said this but this was suggested by millipedish so that you have the correct <laughs> amount of fear trickling through your spine <laughs> great 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 yep so thank you millipedish are you two ready? <clears throat> Give me a second. How long can I stretch a second for? Is this a bit? Because if it's a bit, I'm going to ignore you and move <laughs> on. I'm not, I'm not stopping you. Let's find out. Come back to this, I don't know, tomorrow? <laughs> Give us a day. Give us a day. <laughs> to think about it and to then really we'll see prepare. How, long, how long that second is. All right, you guys do whatever you you're doing. I'm gonna I'm gonna go forward with this. So hundreds of years ago in Baghdad, there lived a miser whose name was Abu Kasim. Uh, he was a oh these are also I should probably give the sources of these. So sorry Tyler for the editing. Um, that <laughs> That's fine. You just have to start it. the story over. Sure, it's more fine. work for you. Uh, so this is sourced from musicandmyth.com uh, with a couple of other bits of information from uh, antebellumags.arizona.edu slash knickerbocker and then more stuff. So both of those provided by Millipedish. Hundreds of years ago in Baghdad lived a miser named Abu Kasim. He was a well-known figure in the streets of the city, but even though he was super rich, uh, he always wore the same outfit, which was a pair of old trousers covered with patches, a threadbare robe that he probably inherited from his grandpapa, and an ancient faded and dirty turban that you couldn't even tell the original colors. Okay, but how's that shoe game? Well, that was kind of the weirdest fashion choice about him. Mm -hmm. You always knew when he was coming. Because um, his shoes would announce him with a heavy clatter from a long way off. Um, he's wearing had... platform boots. Now he is, yes. <laughs> they had once been normal shoes, uh, type that everybody wore. Mm -hmm. But over the years, pretty much every cobbler in Baghdad had had their dirty mitts on these shoes to repair them, fix them up, patch them, add new soles. Uh, and the result of this higgledy-piggledy patchwork is that the shoes have become triple their regular weight within the past year <laughs> of of repair work. Um, 
and who knows how heavy to- in total. But he's he's wandering around with yeah platform boots essentially. I don't want to tell this gentleman his business, but it seems like you're spending more on repairs than you would on buying new shoes at that point. It does seem that way, yeah. Maybe they're sentimental. Maybe it's just like, you know how sometimes it hurts more to do that overall year-long purchase of something in one go, even though it ultimately saves you a lot of money over the monthly purchase? Yes. Maybe it's it's that. Like Maybe it's exactly that. <laughs> logically, if he just bought the new shoes, he'd be way better off, but like each individual like smaller purchase hurts him less than the one big one. So these shoes were pretty well known throughout the city, um, and they kind of became their own uh, like colloquialism. People would say, like the shoes the sh- are the are, are a character of their own yeah. in the story, like New York City, basically, yeah, <laughs> or Baton Bob, who was a character who a real person who wandered around public events in Atlanta in very bright clothing. And twirling a baton. Aptly named. I believe he's got a Wikipedia page. <laughs> um, but yeah, these shoes are the baton bob of Baghdad. Uh, people would say, <laughs> like the shoes of Abu Qasim, to describe things that were heavy, clumsy, and unshapely. I know that we have our listeners vote on titles, but I might have to just give them three of the same option this week, and it is the baton bob of Baghdad. <laughs> that just rolls good. off the tongue real well. Uh, But after a series of events that presumably are covered in this story, uh, the phrase, like the shoes of Abu Qasim, was expanded to mean everything that's unlucky. So one day, Abu Qasim was wandering around where the spice merchants were all set up when a friend comes by and whispers in his ear, hey, I got a great business opportunity for you. The friend tells him that a certain glazier from Alep had brought a bunch of crystal bottles of very high quality to Baghdad. And he sold all but a few dozen, but today he's got to sell them at a loss because he's booked his trip back. And basically this is like the last day at a convention sale when people are like weighing their suitcases to get on the plane. It's just like, oh, please <clears throat> take my stuff. Shit. 50% off, go. It's a fire sale. Yeah. Uh, so Abu Qasim loved himself a bargain. And so he goes to, to the fellow and and like talks him down even further from the the price that he'd set and he bought all the bottles and took him back to his house and arranged them along the shelves in his spare room which is now his bottle room that seems a little unmiserly but i guess it's an investment it's like an nft (laughs) that he is uh i suppose maybe i don't know i'm trying to be timely and relevant (laughs) i'm not very good at that sure so the next week, how about he... them fidget spinners, huh? <laughs> That's that the uh, the hopping teens use. <laughs> so the next week, he was chilling at the spice merchants again when another friend comes by and tells him about uh, this perfume dealer who had brought in a bunch of rose water, uh, but was now, I guess, sick of selling the remaining rose water. So all of the the last gallons of it are now marked at half price. So another flash summer sale for Abu Qasim. Uh, And he's like, yeah, score. I have a shitload of empty bottles. So it's perfect for them. 
somehow this all relates to his shoes. Yeah, we're, we'll get there. Um, you can you can trust a folktale, right? We'll get there. I'm just a reminder for the listeners about what this is supposed to be the fuck about. <laughs> uh, so he fills all his fancy bottles with this discount rose water, and he puts them back on his shelf and uh, holds them there, waiting to sell them at the right moment when the market is hot again. But little did he know what evil fate had in store for him. Uh-oh. Once a year, Abu Kasim was kind of forced by circumstance to invest in the expensive luxury of a bath. Mm. I, I guess, like, after a year, the stink gets <clears throat> just a little bit too much for him. Mm-hmm. Or all of his business partners stop wanting to do business with him until he yeah, it, I he imagine it becomes too bit. much for everyone. <laughs> yeah. And so the the compromise he's made is once a year he will he'll rub the grime off himself. Um so he goes to the public bath with a lot of reluctance just to get it over with. And I don't know if he's got like a bath issue or if it's literally just the payment to to clean himself that is the problem. <laughs> So he was undressing in the like little courtyard area for that, and he found himself uh, positioned next to an old business acquaintance. And this fellow kind of looks him over, maybe smells him over too, given that it's been a year since the last time he was here. Uh, but he is particularly unimpressed with the platform shoes. And he's like, hey, buddy, it's time for some new shoes. Like, come on. That's, come on. Is this a joke? And Abu Kasim cast an indulgent look at his shoes, and he says, I mean, yeah, it's it's been a while, it's probably time, but every time I look at them, I just say to myself, well, there's some life in these yet, they'll last for a while longer, I can get some more out of them. The, he's, got a, he's got a brand. Yeah, he's gotten so much taller as a result of these shoes. It sounds like they're the shoes of Theseus. <laughs> Like, is the original shoe still even there? <laughs> is he still wearing these so that he can put, like, six foot on his Tinder profile? <laughs> six foot, recently <clears throat> bathed. Yeah, that's that's a, that's a profile that I bet a lot of people would go for. Those that's, are a, two... that's a username right there. <laughs> six Re- foot, recently bathed. <laughs> If you can't you, get dating advice from a folktale, like where can you get it from? You know that person is going to be um, caring and put the effort in because it does take a lot of time to wash six feet of anything. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> Much yeah, less you, six feet of stinky, stinky boy. When you put it that way, I understand why he would put it off so long. It's just because it's time consuming. Yeah, it's the, the sheer volume of the task. Although, if he did it maybe a little bit more frequently i think that volume could be reduced somewhat by but it's the same thing as the the purchasing of the shoes right like the Mm -hmm. one big unfortunate payment in this case in grime removal um time investment which could be split up with a lot of smaller payments except this time like unlike investments this would actually be a, a wise thing to do so I have recently noticed a truth about myself that okay. I don't necessarily care for, which is that I struggle to begin a task unless I know that I can finish it in that sitting. 
So if if a task is too big, I tend to procrastinate on it more because I'm like, well, I'm I'm not going to finish it, so am I even going to start it, really? I So that... is it do you think it's a situation like that where he just knows that the bath is going to take so long that he just doesn't even want to start it? He's I mean, in that case, it is hard to come back and finish a bath later. Yeah. <laughs> In that in the true. way that maybe like cleaning out the fridge doesn't <laughs> it doesn't quite apply because then you you might as well just start over. Well, after this little shoe exchange, the Qadi of Baghdad, who's a sort of religious judge, uh, kind of upholds the the religious law of the land, uh, came in for his bath along with his uh, his two slaves. And he undressed himself on the sofa next to Abu Qasim's, and he left his garments there for his turn in the bathing hall, as I assume is custom. Uh, and apparently, at some point in this, Abu had gone in to take his bath, because as the Qadi went into the bathing hall, he came out of it to get dressed. Uh, and when he finished dressing, he looked for his faithful shoes, but they weren't there. Is this an accidental Prince in the Pauper situation? Well, instead, instead, in their place was a really nice pair of fancy new red cordovan leather shoes. Just lovely, beautiful shoes. And he is thrilled. Uh, he assumes that the friend who had criticized his janky old shoes had made him a present of some new ones. Like, if, if he's not going to buy these, I'll just buy them. I'll take care of it for him. Ugh. Which might be part of Abu Kasim's, like general way of getting through life <clears throat> yeah that is another useful ploy is to just wait for somebody else to do stuff for you by get... putting it off for so long <laughs> <laughs> procrastinate until someone gets frustrated and fixes it for you <laughs> um so he puts on the new shoes and he wanders off pretty pretty chuffed the Kadi comes out to get dressed but he can't find his shoes so he looks around and he finally locates some nasty, nasty shoes tucked away in a <laughs> Instead, corner. Instead, he the finds sofa. two dogs made of leather. <laughs> so, like, he pulls them out and then he flings them away from himself in disgust and asks whose shoes these are. And the slaves answer in unison, Those be the shoes of Abu Qasim. Every dog in Baghdad knows them by sight. <laughs> we, we all, yeah, everybody recognizes this. What has the dirty miser dared to steal my shoes? The Qadi roared, and then ordered him brought before him to teach him the consequences of robbing the pillar of law. He crimed the wrong boy. <clears throat> I probably could have helped him avoid this. Yeah, he needed a consultation with the crime weaver. So Abu Qasim is brought before the Qadi, and uh, he's very puzzled and very embarrassed, and protests that this was a mistake. That he did not intend to steal the shoes. He just thought that they were, like, he thought that they were his shoes. But before he could finish explaining his whole reasoning and why he came to that conclusion, he, his voice was drowned out by the uproarious laughter of everyone in the hall at the idea that he could mistake anyone's shoes for his shoes. So he doesn't get to finish his defense, and he is instead given the choice of paying a 500 dinar fine or going to jail. And so he chooses death. <laughs> Seppuku, right there. <laughs> Neither option. Um, I would rather cease to exist than part with my money. Well, he's, he's a miser, but he's not like the best at misering. 
he's not all the way to Scrooge, so <laughs> while it broke his heart to part with the 500 dinars, he did pay up the fine, and then went home with his old nasty shoes. This is a really exciting story, Carmen. You, you look like this uh, a legal procedural? <laughs> we got to hear about a guy accidentally steal shoes and then pay money. <laughs> Well, he's real furious at this whole circumstance, um, and it's it's enough to break his lifelong relationship with this pair of platform boots. So um, the next morning, he goes out and he buys a new pair of shoes, and in the evening, when there are no witnesses, he flings the old shoes into the Tigris River. <laughs> a week passes, and a party of fishermen is fishing out in the approximate location where he had chucked the shoes. And they fling out their net, and when they begin to pull it in, they're thrilled because it's really heavy. So this means hella fish. Good is this the haul. first time this joke has ever been told? The, what joke? <laughs> yeah, the, yes. <laughs> the fisherman pulls up an old boot. Yes, this is oh. the origin of that joke. <laughs> so when they finally get the very heavy net up, there weren't any fish in it. Just two objects. Two objects that they all recognized. Because the entire city of Baghdad knows the shoes of Abu Qasim. So they waste a little bit of time that could be used getting fish cursing the name of Abu Qasim and wishing ill on him in general. And uh, his house happens to be near the river, so they take a little detour in fishing day to go chuck the shoes through his window. (laughs) They not think that maybe something happened to him? I guess he's been seen since. It's been a week. I don't know. No one's reported a smell, and he did just bathe, so. It's been one week? Yeah. I don't have anywhere else to go with that. (laughs) Yeah, we could complete the song, but. Uh, So they chuck it through the window, and the shoes happen to hit the shelves where Abu Qasim had carefully arranged his investment of crystal bottles filled with rose water. So he wakes up from his midday nap at the sound of this and rushes in to find the wreckage of all of the bottles and perfume and in the middle of of it all the old cursed shoes somehow wheezing and gargling (laughs) Uh, so he called the shoes horrible names that were not bothered to be translated and came up with a new plan to get rid of them burn them well he decides he's going to bury them somewhere outside of the city so that works too. Never trouble them, him again. Nobody digs. So he leaves at midnight to go dig at a spot outside the city. But while he's digging, the archer guard shows up and he says, "Oh, digging for treasure, are you? Would you rob the commander of the faithful of that which he alone has the right? We'll see what the Kadi has to say about this." Is there a curfew on digging? Yeah, see, there's a law that all buried treasure automatically belongs to the caliph. Oh. He owns everything beneath the dirt. (laughs) All dinosaur, all gold, the Titanic, everything. Well, Um, if we want to catch him on a technicality, now he owns these shoes. They weren't sorry, they're yours. unfortunately damn it uh, so anyone who happened upon 
buried treasure had to bring it to the palace at once under pain of death. Mm-hmm. I've uh, seen holes. I know how it works. Yeah. Um, and anyone digging at midnight is obviously a robber. They're doing it to cheat the caliph out of his rightful ownership of buried treasure. Um, so he goes and uh, makes his, his defense against uh, this accusation and the Kadi finds him a thousand dinars this time because he thinks the story about burying shoes at midnight is stupid bullshit and, <laughs> and he, he now owes a lot of money for making him sit through this uh, so every can you, dinar, wait, can you do that? Uh, if you're the religious <laughs> lawyer can you, can you charge a religious people? oligarchy probably I want to be able to charge people for making me sit through things I don't want to <laughs> Wouldn't it be fun if you could do that to, like, the telemarketers and scam calls? It's like, you owe me money now. <laughs> I have to establish, like, a a universal value for time. Like, each each minute of your life is worth exactly X, and if you 80, waste it... 82 cents. That seems low at first but i think that's probably pretty true yeah it's gonna it's gonna build <laughs> over time i don't think it's gonna be a lot i mean 82 wait, cents 80, a minute 82 cents that's pretty good yeah, pay wait. yeah hang on i just i just i just did the math on that yeah so that's slightly less than a dollar a minute <laughs> yeah that's not bad i think i, I think wish i was paid 82 a, cents a minute for every minute i i spent doing stuff that'd be pretty great what is the legal way to dispose of shoes? He should just look that up. Goodwill. People get rid of shoes, I'm sure. Eat but he he is in a special scenario where no one wants to be near, see, touch, hear, or smell those shoes. I think he's in a scenario where he has patched <clears throat> these shoes beyond the definition of being a shoe anymore. <laughs> these shoes have rights. <laughs> Yeah, they, these shoes are a legal adult. <laughs> um, so, being a miser, every dinar taken from him hurts like his soul. Uh, so he leaves very miserable, and he hates the shoes even more, forgetting entirely how fond he'd been of them in the past. And he just dumps them in the sewers. So he and thinks the, the Ninja Turtles crawl out and say, "Cowabunga, dude! You dropped these." And they chuck them at his head. Uh, so he thinks, man, it's finally over. I'm free of the damn shoes. But uh, the shoes kind of like went on their merry way down the sewers until they clogged up a pipe. Mm-hmm. Um, which then... Because back- they are so big. Yeah. And this uh, back-flooded Baghdad with a fetid liquid of like sewer water <laughs> and grossness. Wait, this affected the whole city? <laughs> yeah, that, that it was... I mean, it's maybe a questionable pipe system if one <laughs> clogged pipe can flood the whole yeah. city with poop, but that's that's what we're dealing with. Um, so there's like a long period of time where the city is flood flooded with sewer water until they can figure out where the clog is, and when they find the shoes that cause the floods, everyone's clamoring for vengeance because livelihoods were ruined, homes were made stinky. Everything sucked for a while, and even even the dogs recognize Abu Kasim's <laughs> shoes, so they know who's responsible. So he's dragged in for judgment again and told that he's responsible for covering all of the damages 
caused by this flood. That's the biggest find yet. And he ends up having to dig up every bit of gold hidden beneath the flags of his courtyard, which I think at that point belongs to the caliph, right? Like, he hit him, <laughs> so... It isn't, like, by law, if you bury your own gold, aren't you just kind of giving it to the palace? Why are you trying to narc on this guy, Carmen? He's already in distress. Uh, but he's left with hardly a dinar to his name after paying all of the, the damages. Uh, so he's absolutely stunned off his ass by the near-complete impoverishment that he is now facing. <laughs> and he is blinded by rage and sorrow, most of which is directed at his shoes. And so he goes home thinking up a plan to get rid of these damn things forever. Has he tried stabbing and shooting them yet? <laughs> I think we're before gunpowder. Uh, <laughs> but he decides he's going to burn them. Um, hey! Wasn't that the first fucking thing I said? <laughs> I mean, you are the crime weaver. You are you are much better at getting rid of evidence. <laughs> um, but the shoes are, are still, like, sopping wet from the sewers, so he has to fling them on top of the roof of his <laughs> house. So they how can... many weeks down in the sewers? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they've, they've absorbed a lot of garbage. Um, so he flings them to the roof of his house so that they can dry enough to, to be able to burn. Um, but his bad run with luck was not over yet. On the roof next to his house was the neighbor's little dog out playing on the roof. You know, like, like dogs, dogs do. do. Little dog. <laughs> yeah. Little dog roof time. Yeah. <laughs> they gotta go somewhere. Dogs like barking all over the place in the house. And like, you know what? You you can bark on the roof. Freybug loves it on the roof. It's her favorite place. Stubby little legs just running so fast <laughs> across there. It's the tallest she's ever felt. <laughs> she does actually like being lifted up high, so she might truly enjoy the roof. <laughs> But she is also afraid of all new experiences and lights. So <laughs> she still regards the light in the library with deep suspicion every time she enters that room. Yeah, imagine if she had to get closer to the sun. <laughs> She'd be like that kid from that story about the, the people who did not believe in night or day. Or, <laughs> or were upset about it because they'd only seen the one. Um, so the dog sees these shoes land on the roof, and as dog do, think, hell yeah, a toy, a toy for me. Treat for me, smells so good. Uh, so the dog drags the shoe to the edge of the roof and lets it go at the moment that a woman with a child in her arms was walking below. Uh, yeah. I guess trigger who, warning? Who, who does it kill? It kills and kills the kid. The heavy shoe hits the the child in the head, knocks it out of the mother's arms. I think dead on impact from shoe. Is it at least a little slapstick that she carries a shoe around and thinks it's a baby for a bit? It can be if we decide to frame the filmed version of this in that way. So the mother shrieks and points to the guilty shoe that has murdered her child. And Abu Kasim is dragged from his house and he would have been strung up on the spot had his, like, innocent bewilderment not made it very clear that he had no fucking clue what was going on or why his shoe had turned murderer. So he's taken once more before the Kadi and because he's out of like money to pay for human life, he has to give up his house to this woman. He's like, sorry about your kid. Have a house instead. Have, have a house. That's good. Um, so he is left with nothing except for his patched clothes and his new shoes. 
and also his old garbage shoes. Which he cannot rid himself of. It is a curse. It's truly an albatross. Uh, he had slaved and toiled for great wealth his entire life. He had never given anything to the poor or offered gifts to friends. And he hadn't even spent money on himself until it couldn't be avoided. And the very shoes that had stood for his years of savings, the greatest triumph of his miserhood, had turned murderer on him. So he goes before the Qadi and he tells him that he knows he sinned against the laws of charity and generosity and the love of, uh, like, and he's, he's loved gold over good deeds and that was pretty shitty of him. Um, but he won't make the same mistake again. And he begs the protection of the commander of the faithful against the two enemies that have ruined him, which are the shoes. <laughs> he explains and probably increasingly desperate tones that he has tried to cast these shoes off a number of times, and now he begs for a paper signed and sealed that renounces any ownership and responsibility he has for them. <laughs> so amid the laughter of the court, the Kadi grants the strange request, and the miser walks away, happy and at peace, for even though he had nothing left but the clothes on his back, he at least didn't have the shoes anymore. The end. <laughs> And the moral of the story is that you cannot bury your your problems. You must get them legally signed and, and remanded from your this existence. Is a, a, a real argument for notary publics. <laughs> the whole folktale is an advertisement for notaries. So you guys know uh, the actor, Mr. Bean? Yes. The, whoa. That's his. What? That's his legal given name. His, right? his yes. legal name, Mr. Bean. Uh huh. Yes. And no other name. Yep. <laughs> You're familiar. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, I know Mr. Bean. <clears throat> if you seen his new project, are we gonna, are we also going to talk about Man vs. Bee? Yes. <laughs> okay. This yeah, is, I'm aware. This, this felt like a film that Mr. Bean <clears throat> would be in. Is my point. Uh oh oh you think, um. Shoe man, I can't remember his name already. Yeah, but that is yeah. Rowan Atkinson energy seems good for that. <clears throat> Replace the B with shoes and Mr. Bean with uh, an Arabic miser, and it's basically the same story. It sounds like. I mean, timeless tale of man versus shoe. <laughs> this this is more like the story does have more sketch comedy energy than uh a lot of other ones there yeah there's a lot of opportunity for yakety sacks to be playing in the background of this one most of it this could also be a, a tim robinson sketch with, <laughs> with some reworking so it's for sure city that this rich guy does not give to charity or help anyone else out yeah it'd be nice if he did i'm a little on the fence about the um the, like patchwork clothing and stuff like i can kind of see the benefit of not just you know spending a lot of money on new clothes but then again i buy everything from a thrift store that charges uh, 75 cents on tuesdays so <laughs> like i feel for him there uh-huh but yeah there there does come a point where sometimes you do just you gotta bathe at least that part's a problem 
<laughs> that is an issue. I don't know. He could just find some balance between saving his money and being a functional human being in a society. Also, what are the chances that like a base boy is going to get some cursed shoes? Can we arrange this for current billionaire misers? I guess they're not really misers because they do spend a lot of money on space trips for themselves, but mm -hmm. I would still like to give them some cursed shoes. Can we make this happen? I would like to give Jeff Bezos a curse, yes. Do you think that they would learn if they had cursed shoes? And and do something about it? Yeah, like become better people and maybe not would, hoard the world for themselves. You would think. People are also pretty resistant to learning lessons. <laughs> At any cost. Yeah. Yeah, in that regard, I was going to say that I think Elon Musk's shoes he can't get rid of is just a person named Grimes. <laughs> <laughs> is, is she is she causing further trouble to him? Just a an albatross that does not leave him alone. Yeah. <laughs> um, cannot cannot escape the shadow of that one. Mm-hmm. Also it... continues to spend his days not learning lessons. Yeah. Yeah. And also being unable to conceive of public transportation. <laughs> Just, I think, my favorite subcategory of brain genius. Can we talk about the audacity it takes to claim that you own the ooey gooey center of the earth? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was definitely the. <laughs> and all the treats inside. <laughs> Is it. Uh, it so other people own property maybe or or do we not know this at this time at at that at that point yeah do yeah, we know like they, they i don't their... i don't know what the laws were there but i don't know if people owned property and if like so it. does that mean that just like the top part is yours <laughs> but every but everything underneath is not how I get I yeah I, I have questions about when did basements reach Baghdad or have they yet I bet they had basements Bag Baghdad is a is a very I mean the the entire area there is a pretty old civilization mm -hmm. you'd need some place to be is cool that a... and keep some food safe so I'd imagine cellars at least would would exist yeah is that does he own that like, once it goes beneath the earth, it belongs to this man. It seems to be what was implied. Every wine cellar. Unless, unless we're going to define the parameters of the word treasure. And buried. And buried. I'm happy to quibble over both. <laughs> that, that seems like your territory, Gordy, if you want to take the floor. Yeah. Um, I, think, I think treasure is sufficiently nondescript that he could argue that anything is a treasure. And it seems like a pretty good scheme because of it. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a an open enough system that you can just be digging in the dirt at a time unusual. And whether or not there is a treasure that you have uncovered beneath that spot, you get to go to jail for thieving for <laughs> potential 
treasure that you could have encountered. So if you wanted to do some gardening when it was cool outside, after dark, clearly robber. Go fuck yourself. Yeah. How, you robber. How often were people uncovering buried treasure that he like saw the value and saying like oh from now on all all the treasure you find is mine well like on one hand folklore times is awfully early in the human time like not terribly early like, but early enough in the human timeline that you think there wouldn't have been a lot of time to that's, accumulate that's when the treasure was buried i would think yeah right. it, was, it was being buried actively at the time and maybe, um, and maybe he knew that and was like, oh, a lot of you are burying treasure. Well, whenever that comes back up. It's, it's mine. This is an investment. Belongs to me. Whenever you try to crack open that time capsule. Every, um, every fifth grade class that is buried <laughs> newspaper clippings and the feather from a dead bird belongs to this man now. And an in-sync CD. <laughs> On the other hand, this was pre-banks, so maybe Earth was bank. <laughs> oh, maybe you just pop. I mean, that's sort of what pirates did, right? Instead of going to bank, they went to the dirt bank. They just pop it down in there for later. Yeah. No interest, which is, you know, challenging. Yeah, you're just, you're but... just kind of hoping for inflation to run in your favor at that point. <laughs> we'll just we'll just unearth this in a different economy and see how we fare. <laughs> check in though honestly sometimes just knowing i know exactly how much this amount of money is and it will not change maybe that's pretty cool <laughs> something comforting about that there's no there's no backsliding i know ex i know the exact weight of the money i have buried and it will remain that unless some worms eat it or something <laughs> I'm curious how a miser is uh, a really morally degenerate person in a world where one man can own <laughs> everything anyone has buried. I feel like of the two problems, one of these is bigger. Ain't that always the way, though? It's true. When you're at a point in your in your life where you can declare that you own the <laughs> the delicious treasures beneath the earth, uh, you are you're beyond. Human, human problems yeah <laughs> yeah that is a higher echelon let's hope that the the musks and bezoses don't hear this story so they don't get the idea that oh we could just declare everything underground is ours is that why that motherfucker is obsessed with tunnels <laughs> which motherfucker's obsessed <laughs> with tunnels elon man i can't keep track of what this man is obsessed with he is the weirdest billionaire he wants all the treasure he wants He's a, looking for the gold underground. He wants it on Mars. <laughs> he wants Mars gold, you're right. I want Mars gold. He wants you to be a miner in Mars for him. He doesn't want to live there. He wants to send you up there for the Mars gold that he owns. And you send the gold back. Yeah. I would I would like to go to Mars, but probably not just to dig. <laughs> what else are you going to do there? I can do that here. I don't know. Yeah, Research. Mars does not have a robust vacation service, Gordy. So it's it's dig or nothing up there. Re Research. Research build, different ways to dig. Build stuff. 
What, what are you going to research on Mars, Gordy? Probably the Earth. Guess what? The... Digging. You can't escape it. Okay. It's all digging. Mars. You're digging. going to build things that dig. Everything returns to dig on Mars. That's fine. I mean, I expect some digging. I don't want to just dig. Dig and look at the results of dig. <laughs> and calculate whether or not that was a sufficient way to dig. Or can we dig better next time? Thank you, Millipedish, for suggesting this this tale to us. Um, remarkably well-structured, in spite of its weird <laughs> premise of being Baghdad Baton Bob kills a baby with shoe. Or um, a dog kills a baby with his shoe. That's true. That dog's a murderer now. And that dog got away scot-free. Those of you googling how to get away with murder, now you know. Be a dog. <laughs> Have a Give shoe. a dog a shoe. It'll Make sort itself out. It. Uh, thank you to everyone who's been listening to the show, sharing it around, um, giving friends cryptic comments from the show with no explanation in order to raise its sense of mystery and, and wonder. Um, thank you to everyone who has helped to support the show in a financial and material way thank you that really helps us out in keeping the whole thing running and thank you to our top tier patrons lucky queen savagery reigning again Irius, midori baby grandma becca lobster no longer the new and improved Haley. fyi i think cricket might be plotting something she's been very quiet lately after the past several mornings of early wake-up calls you might be onto something there <laughs> Awkward, Project Birdfall Informant, Funky Little Strawberry, Lemur, Spaghetto Popping On Off with a Bang, Danielle, The Once and Future Fay, Ya Girl Olwen, Allie, Knife Dad, Cobus Cat, Vespidesu, Versus Keeper of Too Many OCs, Pyrus, Nathan the Scott, Alex, Millipedish, I Aim to Miss Bedave, Maya, High Listus of Wimbus, Gohan is a Punker, A Dubious Little Creature, Haley Prime, the original B. Haley you know and love since 2018, Dominic, Justin, Lily, Izzy, and Jenna. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you always, Doug. Thanks, Doug. Thanks, Doug. We're what the folklore, and that's how it works. This has been What the Folklore. Thanks for listening to our show. If you have story suggestions for us, please send them to wtfolklore at gmail.com and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Special thanks to the Brobdingnagian Bards for the use of their song Happily Ever After from their album Brobdingnagian Fairy Tales. If you enjoyed our show, please rate and review us on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts.